0: This is Mission Uplift, and I'm your host, Jen, and I am so glad you're here. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and in today's episode, I had the privilege of chatting with Laura Murray about uplifting rhythms. Reverend Laura Murray is an ordained pastor, author, speaker, and a certified spiritual director. For over 15 years, she has worked closely with individual leaders and groups in the areas of leader development and spiritual formation. As the pastor of spiritual formation at Highland Park Presbyterian, she wrote formational devotional guides and studies and created and led worship services. One of her greatest joys is strengthening others in faith and life with God. Alongside her master's degree in theology, she's currently working on her doctorate in leading change at Fuller Seminary and as a fellow for Fuller's Center for Missional and Spiritual Formation. She's married to Craig, has two incredible children, an energetic pup, and lives in the Dallas area. She believes that dessert is only dessert if it involves chocolate. I know you'll enjoy today's episode with Laura. Check out Uplifting Rhythms. Welcome back to Mission Uplift, my friends. My name is Jen, and I am here with Laura Murray, who I had the pleasure of getting to know this year. Laura is spiritual director and I'll share a little bit how we were able to to get to know each other but I'm excited to have her on the podcast today to talk about uplifting rhythms so Laura welcome and thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me Jen yeah so tell us a little bit about yourself and your your journey with coming to faith and, and your own spiritual rhythms and practices Yeah, so I grew up in
1: Houston, and I grew up in a multicultural setting, multicultural family, and that's kind of a a backdrop to what you'll see in my religious and um, Christian experience as well. So I grew up there going to an Assemblies of God church, and so grew up with different spiritual practices. I mean, they... Uh, Spoken tongues and they had interpreters. Uh, they also taught uh, scripture and prayer. And so those things. So I grew up just with a variety of, I would say some Protestants, probably it's a little bit different, but I grew up with a little bit of mystery when it comes to who God is. I think that's what that culture really shaped in me is a little bit of mystery and holding that openly of who God is. And so I didn't necessarily resonate with the denomination. So when I went off uh, to college and I went to more churches that were more like Bible churches, or, and then I ended up uh, becoming Presbyterian and actually being ordained to the Presbyterian church. And that's very different from assemblies Mm -hmm. of God. So uh, I have kind of this mosaic, I call it, of different denominations that I was a part of, but it really informs the richness of my experience and, and what uh, was cultivated even as a young, at a young age. So I, I came to faith growing up. I actually didn't, there wasn't a time that I didn't believe in God or know God. And I would, I would say that it really came to life in my junior high and high school years, uh, through junior high and junior high, I got baptized. And then in high school, I had a really great young life leader who invested in me, relationally poured into me. I also had a really good Sunday school teachers, too, that they just relationally cared for me, were consistent, uh, and their love for me. And so I would say people formed me, just my experiences formed me. And then um, I'm trying to think yeah, all those things. So I, I think all of those things, having those different experiences, having different types of people and receiving love in different ways really has helped me to then go, okay, how does God show us love or how can he show us love? Or how can we open ourselves to how he wants to form us and shape us? And so I do carry in with me, even though I'm a Presbyterian pastor which usually you know they the joke is that they're the frozen chosen right that they don't really move and they don't <laughs> they don't move during worship or they don't uh, they just use their minds uh, I really have appreciated that background because it helps me to bring in these different angles in spiritual formation and how God shapes us uh, and really a place for the Holy Spirit which sometimes we don't always have a space for that because we don't know what to do with the holy spirit so yeah those are some of the things and how i came to faith and really what i think what has set me up to
0: be able to be open to how god might work
1: in someone's life and in my
0: life it's interesting i i didn't know about your background but i can very much relate i've been in assemblies of god churches i've been in lutheran churches non-denominational bible and so i can uh understand uh, what you're saying about just kind of taking a little bit from each experience and also having received love from mm-hmm. from people in all of those spaces. I think it, that has very much shaped my my walk with the Lord as well. Mm-hmm. Now, how was your experience with spiritual practices in leading up to Seminary, getting ordained, eventually becoming a, a spiritual director. I know that's a process. It's not something necessarily right. that happens overnight. And what did, that, what did that look like for you?
1: All right. So I had kind of those staple spiritual practices that go in what's been entitled the quiet time, right? You've got your journal, you've got your Bible, and you've got prayer, and you might be in a Bible study. And then you have corporate worship, right? So you have your quiet time, that's personal. Then you have your Bible study, that's with a medium kind of size group. And then you have your corporate. And those are all great things. And what I found, there was a year in college when just going through a time of brokenness and all none of those things were quote unquote working. Like I would do those things and I still felt distant from God. And even people who were discipling me would ask the questions, well, aren't you praying? Aren't you? reading and I'm sitting here thinking I'm I'm doing all those things. Nothing is working. And so that opened my eyes to just realizing that I couldn't make things happen. Sometimes when it came to my spiritual life, that we have seasons that we can be as faithful as possible to doing all the things that we're told are, we're supposed to be doing. And it just doesn't work. And I think That's one angle that I want to bring at when we talk about spiritual practices is a lot of times we come at it to go, okay, we're doing these in order for them to work. And really the invitation of spiritual practices is a deeper relationship with God, greater intimacy, knowing that we are loved even more trust and allowing him to produce the outcome, allowing him to produce the fruit. And so even though quiet times and corporate worship and all those things we had learned are good things, they're not bad things. I think we hit points in our life where they're not gonna result in the things that we expect them to automatically. And then we have to deal with our disappointments. God, what are you doing? What's going on? And so that's what I found also with people is that they will talk about, okay, we're doing all these things and nothing's working. And then we start to talk about disappointment because God isn't showing up. And then we start to talk about different things of, of pain. And then we, so we get into all these things. And I think that time of brokenness really opened me up to see that God is faithful in his time. And I can't force him to do something that I want him to do for me. And I say that and I go, oh, I don't want anybody to have to go through brokenness. And at the same time, going, that's what came from that time. And then, so that was in college. And then another time in, in seminary, when I was in seminary, I jumped into spiritual formation. We had a spiritual formation a portion that we had to do for two years and then I got to be a spiritual formation leader. So that was really helpful. And then I had a mentor who was really open to spiritual formation and getting her doctorate in spiritual formation. So I began learning about all these different types of things. And then into the Presbyterian church, I started learning actually from a friend who used to be a Methodist, but he was at the Presbyterian church about Lectio Divina. And then, and then up to the point, so I just started exploring and playing and, Doing it, it was all done biblically. It was done according to scripture and it was done with others, it was done on my own. And so a lot of it was just experimenting and exploring and really playing to see, okay, uh, what 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 is this like? And then up to when I worked on my certificate in spiritual direction, and then there I had Jesuits training me. So I had <laughs> I had Jesuits and Roman Catholics and, and then they opened my eyes to other ways or so, but just kind of added on.
0: I love that you mentioned that sometimes it's by yourself, sometimes with others. And Mm -hmm. as with anything in our, in our Christian faith, there's, you know, it's our individual relationship with the Lord, but we're always in community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so wonderful that you've had these different experiences and where sometimes we're only, we only know from one point of view, or we've only experienced something from one angle and it's so helpful to, to learn from others and to, to just be with other people. You referenced Lectio Divina, and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that just in case someone who's listening may not be familiar with it.
1: Sure, a Lectio Divina, what it means is a divine reading. So you, you usually do it in a group and somebody leads it, but you can do it on your own. And it's when you take a short passage of, passage of scripture and you listen to it um, or read it uh, four times slowly and meditatively, and you focus on one thing at a time. So let's say, I'm just drawing this out of nowhere, Luke 6 verses, you know, 43 to 45. I don't even know if that's a chunk of scripture that makes sense, but uh, altogether. But let's just take this. So the first time when you're listening uh, to it or reading it, uh, you're you're imagining yourself in the story. So you imagine you consider what would have been like to be there and so you just play a little bit in the imagination with that story. And then the second time you read it, you uh, listen uh, for like a word or a phrase that might come up. So you listen and, and just kind of pay attention and prayer and go, you know why did that word or phrase come up not. Analyzing it too much, but just letting it come to the surface. So you make a note of that. And then you listen a fourth time for uh, a feeling. Maybe there are feelings that are evoked in you when you read that passage. And so you write down that feeling. And then the last uh, reading, you pay attention to see if there's anything that God wants you to do or to be, almost like an invitation. And so that's one way to do Lectio. I know there's more classical and traditional ways of doing that where you... Uh, listen again four times, but in a, with a different angle on it. And and that's one of the ways that I use. And then what you do with that is just a way of paying attention of listening and of hearing the scripture. Again, you talk about with different, just different angles or maybe even different lenses to see what, what might come forth from the passage.
0: I've had the, the pleasure of being a part of your digital silent retreats which have started during the quarantine and I have so appreciated uh, the times of silence and of course the, the guided uh, meditations and the Lectio Divina and being able to take that time alone even and then log back onto Zoom and and be able to, to share and process with a group of people uh, and it kind of goes back to that whole you know our individual walk and then doing this in community as Mm -hmm. well and it really has been an incredible experience each time of being able to to slow down and and really listen listen what is God saying what is God saying in a passage even a familiar passage Mm -hmm. often has uh, I've been surprised at the different angles that God has revealed himself and given me a new invitation in that mm-hmm. process. And it really has been so incredible, especially in this particular season. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think even before we found ourselves in a pandemic, God was definitely drawing me into a more silence and solitude and mm-hmm. taking Sabbath. And so this has been a year where I've responded to the invitation and really Mm -hmm. experienced uh, the the blessings and -hmm. the fruit of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you just said about slowing down, getting quiet, you know, that those are just critical spiritual practices and, you know, it's not an empty quiet. It's not a, it's almost like purposeful quiet. Like you're, it's not purposeful. It's an intentional quiet. Right, an intentional silence. It's not a, oh my gosh, I need silence because my kids are driving me crazy. Or, oh my gosh, I just need silence in my head because I've been studying so much or things like that. Um, But it's an intentional saying, I'm going to choose to rest in this way. Um, And silence can be scary because our internal worlds get really loud when we (laughs) quiet down other things. And so, but to slow down, which is not the MO of our culture, Uh, to be intentional about the quiet in that space. And it's really hard for me too. This isn't, I mean, you can ask people that know me well, like to slow down and to not set the pace is really hard for me.
0: I, I can very much identify. I think that uh, life circumstances have slowed me down physically, Mm -hmm. but I've learned that in that, that quietening outwardly, doesn't mean that I've slowed down mentally. And Mm -hmm. sometimes my mind is going a mile a minute. And it's, it really does. I I love how you said being intentional, because it really takes practice. Mm -hmm. It is a spiritual practice. It's not something that I think can be immediate for anyone. It really Mm -hmm. is something to to work on. And like you said, not for the sake of something working, but to draw closer and have a more intimate relationship with Jesus. And I think that's when
1: it gets a little bit fuzzy because we do want certain fruit to be produced, right? We do, you know, we do want to grow in patience or in listening or enjoy. So we do want those things. And at the same time showing up in these practices and allowing God To provide the outcome. So you come with your desires, you come with your expectations, you come with your hopes of what will happen, but then you hold all those things loosely, trusting that God sees your desire, knows you better than you know yourself, and surrendering any of the desires. So, I don't know. It almost like plays like mind games, with you, you know, <laughs> you're like, but I, I want to cultivate these things. And there is these certain things that fruit that comes from it, but at the same time, I'm not supposed to control it. <laughs> you know, It's just, so it, so if anybody is hearing like kind of that seems like a contradiction, I think it's a, a tension that we hold, you know, that we bring because we do want to grow and then trusting that God will deepen us the way he wants to and that can be scary.
0: (laughs) It can be very scary. (laughs) I'm currently going through the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, for the second or third time, actually, with a group of people right now, and something that constantly comes up in conversation is just how beneficial it is for us to be discussing these practices and drawing closer to Jesus in community Mm -hmm. because I think when we're by ourselves Mm -hmm. not in solitude but in isolation it can Mm -hmm. become overwhelming we can not have the right perspective but to to just talk it out with people and learn their experience and and know that what works you know quote unquote Mm -hmm. works for me uh may not for you, you're, you're wired differently. I'm wired differently. Mm-hmm. And so God may, may use something completely different for us to draw closer to him, but that's always the goal. hmm
1: And I love what you said, and you um, have said it a few times now that doing this within community, um, it's both silence and solitude with Jesus. It's also in community, and it's also for a purpose, right? We're we're called to live in this world in a way that God has called us to and to do the things that he's called us to. So, you know, even though this seems very self-focused, it's not, it's for us and it's for others. And what you're talking about, Jen, is just a spiritual, not just practice, not just of community, or it's, I would say we call it community. Another way of saying it is spiritual friendship. Mm-hmm. that you have these people in your life that are attuned to your spiritual life. You're attuned to theirs and you have this spiritual friendship where you have these conversations and you move forward and you're living out your faith. And even though I love the spiritual practice of spiritual direction, and I love to provide that for people. It's a joy for me to do that. A lot of times I think, okay, if our, if our churches and our places of, of worship or our communities, were full of deeper spiritual friendship. People may need me every once in a while rather than more often, or even leaders, right? Or pastors or people who feel like they're more alone. Like if they had spiritual friendships that were that close and they could be themselves and they could also bring their relationship with God before this group of people. Again, I'm not working myself out of a vocation or job. I'm just saying I the things that I provide for people each month, I think the church should be able to do that for one another, to be able to listen for one another, to be able to discern what the Holy spirit might be saying to experiment, to do all those things. I mean, don't you want to do that with other people and have fun? That would be. And there's also group spiritual direction, which I think is really fun because you learn to listen for others as well while you're doing it. And so when you say community, I think of spiritual friendship. And I hear more and more people just wanting the church to be a place where there is that, that—that's deep spiritual friendship to walk with one another in.
0: I'm realizing more and more as I get older and see the relationships and the connections that I have, what a gift it is to be able to have that kind of spiritual friendship, because that's not always the case. It can be people we see every week, maybe now on Zoom. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there is a, a love there, but maybe not that kind of a depth. And uh, spiritual friendship is a, is a great way to, to name it. And that's a lot of what spiritual direction is, right? It's just coming alongside someone in helping them to walk with Jesus closer right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And spiritual direction is a little, it's a little, it's more one directional. So I, you know, there's a, it's more of a professional type thing where I am listening to the one person. And so I am helping, I'm helping them discern and listen to the voice of the spirit and for those invitations in their life. And so that's what we're doing together. Uh, and I would say in spiritual friendship, it is, uh, it is is two, you know, it's, it goes both ways or, or however many ways it needs to go with how many people are in the right. group. So uh, spiritual direction is a little bit more focused and there are times, you know, that you, you might need that in your life where you take it back to your group and you all process and all that. But I would say, yes, the things that you practice in spiritual direction are the things that you also take to spiritual friendship. So if you do go to a spiritual director and you, uh, what you're also learning is you're, you're even learning to listen for the context you'll go back into because you've experienced somebody listening to you and for you and also to the spirit. And so, in all these spiritual practices, we're, we're learning and receiving, you know, at the same time. So hopefully I I hope that anybody I have in spiritual direction is also taking some of the things that we have done and applying with others in their life.
0: A lot of the the people who you meet with are often pastors and, and leaders. Is -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm.
1: Or therapists for missionaries. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Or just the a person who wants to grow and they're they're in a place where they're trying to discern something, trying to make a decision. And usually I say make a decision, maybe not make a decision, but there's something there's a lot going on and they're trying to kind of get through it or find the way through it. And so so helping them to to hear God's voice in the midst of all that.
0: Yeah. So when you were in seminary, you had your experience going through your spiritual formation group, you became a leader, were ordained, Uh, Mm -hmm. then you, you went on to get your certificate in spiritual direction Mm -hmm. and, and at what point did you feel the, the call to become a spiritual director and what did that, that look like?
1: Yeah, so my tra- I did my training while I was actually not in a vocational position at a church, and it was actually a point of pain that I was in because I had just been let go. Nothing wrong that I did, but just um, was let go, and then I was about to have my second child, and so I, ha- I was at home with a toddler and a newborn. And I just thought I, I need to do something. And I had been reading Ruth Haley Barton's Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership and also Leighton Ford's The Attentive Life. And both of those things just drew me to paying more attention um, as did my two children who were definitely needing my attention. And so there was all of a sudden this uh, real life need, and longing to pay attention. And I was also going through a hard time. So I was trying to pay attention to what was going on inside of me. And so I did that and then I ran across this certificate and I thought, oh, I also need to do something. Like I feel like I need to do something forward moving. Uh, And so I applied for this program. So started getting my certificate. And then in that space, I started learning more about listening, about paying attention. Uh, centering prayer became a really significant thing in my life. And so it was interesting, it all came about in a season of, I would say <laughs> a season where I had no idea what God was gonna be doing with me vocationally. Was I going to be a pastor? Like, where was I going to serve? I have two young children. And then he drew me to it through, really through these spiritual practices And then I realized those spiritual practices show up like attentiveness, listening, all that. They show up in the practice of spiritual direction. And so I thought, Oh, that's, that's what I wanted. That's what I would love to do. I would love to to listen on behalf of people. And which is funny because I love to talk and here God has me paying attention and listening. Right. I love to jump to interpretations and apply things. And here he has me observing constantly. Right. And so It's just, it's funny what God calls you to.
0: It's interesting how we can be going in one particular direction. And a lot of times, like you talked about, the brokenness is this life curveball that we would not have chosen that is not necessarily enjoyable or comfortable at all. Mm -hmm. And yet many times, those are the places that we kind of get to know Jesus in a more intimate way. Mm-hmm. And because we're listening, because we are becoming more attentive and in, in just wanting to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's mm-hmm. in those moments where he provides clarity and shines a light, even if it's only on the next step. It may not be the whole staircase, but right, but just to, to go to the next step. And it's interesting how I'm sure... You didn't see the whole staircase from when you were in high school and Mm-mm. in young life. And, and yet it's, it's so clear how, you know, on the other side, how he was ordering your steps and Mm-mm. bringing you to exactly where you are right now. And thank goodness. Like, thank God, right? I <laughs> think he orders those. I can't imagine. Sometimes people say, I wish I could know what God is doing. And I think I've learned, I don't, I don't know that I want to know because <laughs> I would probably, you know, try and mess it up or put my hands on it. And I'd, I like to, to know what's going on, but I, if I knew half of what, <laughs> right, right. if I knew half of what life would have entailed, I don't think I, I think I would have run the other direction. Yes.
1: Yeah. Lots of mercy and grace in that. Oh Yeah. <laughs>
0: Now, what does life look like for you right now as a, as a spiritual director in this particular season? Yeah. So I'm doing a lot of
1: the things that other people are doing, Uh, you know, either working from home or trying to find a quiet space where you can zoom or, you know, even silly stuff like wearing sweatpants on the bottom and, you know, a normal top and, you know, kids, if you have kids, you know, just the school thing and, and also just living in this unpredictability, right? There's, um, we've learned a lot in six months. We know how to protect ourselves. We know, know what we need to do. We have lots of things in place um, in our culture and society now to, you know, masks and hand sanitizers and all that, that all those things, but we don't know how long it's going to last. And I think that's really that's really challenging. And we were just, you know, we were just talking earlier, you and I, Jen, about this six month wall that people are talking about. And just, you just think, gosh, I thought it'd be, would be done by now. And, and just the, the, the feelings of boredom coming in and and the feelings of uh, wanting to be connected to people, right? We're realizing physical presence is so incredibly valuable. Now i appreciate the digital space and zoom and all that it's providing for us right now. I'm so grateful at the same time going, gosh, I need people and facial expressions and those things and realizing how much we need. And, you know, and I hit those, those other walls too. I've hit those pandemic walls and there are times that I go, okay, God, what do you want me to learn from this? And just sensing him going, you don't need to learn anything. Just rest, like just let yourself be and I think in this time for me, just, I learn more and more about my humanity. I think the longer I live and that sounds kind of silly, but I am consistent. I'm consistently at face-to-face with my humanity. And even we were talking about aging and with your bodies, like we are human. Like our bodies aren't necessarily on the up and up. It's, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, we get new aches and pains and different things to watch out for. And so, you know, for me during this time, personally, it's been really accepting what is, and that includes accepting who I am in this time, recognizing that God sees that and he receives that. uh, And, and that, you know, there's work he's called me to do, but I don't have to work so hard. And between last year and this year, last year I left The position that I was in as a pastor at the end of the year, I sensed God was releasing me from that call and wasn't quite sure what I was going to be doing, but I knew I wanted to do retreat speaking and spiritual direction. And I had some contract work lined up to do work with groups and lead retreats. And so that's how I entered into 2020. And then all this happened. So not a ton has changed because I did it a lot of things virtually, but what has changed is learning how to live in this space. And I think everybody's learning how to live in this space. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And, and yeah, just,
0: I think I'm really where a lot of other people, other people are. I think we get to a place where, okay, we think we have found a rhythm or something and then life is changing constantly and so fast yeah. that something may happen that may completely uh, mm-hmm. disrupt the rhythm that mm-hmm. was taking place.
1: Yeah. And I think if any, and you know, you'll hear these words all the time in the season, right? Being adaptable and agile, you know, and I think doing that with our spiritual lives as well, that adapting uh, to that corporate worship was in a different way uh, being agile. Uh, with the tools that we have in our toolbox. And I think that's why it's so important to experiment and to try different spiritual practices so that you can bring uh, those different tools out. It's kind of, I compare it sometimes to, you know, when you're working out, that there are some seasons that there are certain exercises you need to focus on. And there are other seasons where there are others that you need to focus on. And so just being aware and already having learned some of those spiritual practices is really helpful. They'll say, okay, well, I can go pick up this amount of weight because I know that this will help strengthen me. Or, oh, I'm going to go try this exercise because I've now tried 20 different exercises and I now know uh, what might help me in this season. And so I think uh, what I try to do also with spiritual directees and then with people that I coach is help them to experiment. So help help them and also do that very realistically. So if you are uh, a single person in your twenties that's in school. It's very different than a single person in their fifties with a full-time job and uh, maybe a single parent, or if you're a married person in your thirties and you have a newborn and a five-year-old or whatever it is. So being very realistic about where we are spiritually, and then having all those tools and to be able to, to use those tools in different ways. And I'll give you an example. So a lot of us, if you grew up in the church or whatnot, you know, that our quiet time before the day began with your journal, your Bible and prayer, not a bad thing. My children would regularly wake up at 5.30 AM or earlier. There was no way that I was going to wake up at 4 or 4.30 every day. Just, it wasn't going to happen. And so for me, I had to adjust when my When I did different spiritual practices. So I had to adjust that and let go the fact that I wasn't having this normal, whatever it was, you know, that I had been told um, this is what it looks like. And I would even say, knowing myself now, I need a lot more solitude and silence in nature. So that combination I try to do at least once a week. And then the daily thing, I can't go an hour every day, just studying and reading. Some people can, that's great. I can't, but I do have one day a week where, where I will spend two hours, like really digging into scripture or, or spending with God. And then the other thing I would say is sometimes it's those little, it's the shorter practices done daily. That really add up as well. So if you think about it again with exercising, when you think about if you've done a bar class, I mean, there's the right. there are tiny muscles that you're doing, and they're tiny. These little exercises, but it is a workout. Okay, there is a result that comes from. So my the practice that I've needed this actually this entire year. It's almost like an exam and practice, but I do it in the mornings and I try to do it every day. And I have a journal and I literally write out bullet point. A couple of things I'm grateful for, a couple of things that I am sad about, so what I'm grieving. And then I added to it uh, ways that I want to be generous that day, whether it's with myself, whether it's with somebody else. And so I realized for me how I'm wired, and my Enneagram, I, <laughs> uh, I uh, identify with type four. So fours internally, emotionally, are, can be all over the place. But the gift when we're in a healthy and solid place is that we bring steadiness to the world. And in order to be able to do that, I have to have spiritual practices that will give me a steadiness. And I've learned that gratitude, which I need because I can be, you know, the want, want, like Enneagram four, like melancholy. That's just who I am. But I also have, have to practice gratitude. I do have to acknowledge the sadness as well. to ignore it would not be good for me. And then to get outside of my head, to get outside of my heart, because um, doing is kind of the repressed thing. I think about how I'm supposed to be generous. And so I do that. It maybe takes me five minutes a day, maybe. And, And so I just take that and I just, that's my prayer. And so I'd say there, there's all sorts of ways to do it to I don't wanna say fit. I mean, there's still disciplines and practices, but I don't think God looks at some of the rhythms that we have naturally and say, well, your kid wakes up at 5.30 and well, you have to do it this way. So we all need to kind of sort out experiment, see what pushes us enough to be a practice, but then a discipline, but also not to the point where we're defeated. By that, if, it, if that
0: makes sense. Absolutely. I, I I so appreciate that practice with the gratitude and acknowledging the sadness and the grief. And then of course, the generosity. I, I've, I'm in the practice of writing down gratitude, but mm-hmm. not always those other two. You know, there's times where it'll just kind of naturally come out in journaling. But I love that because it kind of helps to get a balance of the things that I'm grateful for the things that make me sad. And then like you said, taking it outside of my myself. And it doesn't take, I think sometimes we think, oh, like we have to study X amount of hours and check off this list. But it's amazing what God can do with a little. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. things actually really do become big things because, like you said, when it's a part of your everyday rhythm, it really shapes. Mm-hmm. Our, our relationship, our day, mm-hmm. who we are. And and you had said earlier, it's not, even though some might look at spiritual practices and disciplines as being very self-focused, it is us entering into a closer relationship with Jesus, but it, it helps us to be better for those around us too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I so appreciate you sharing that, that practice that is a part of your every day because- mm-hmm it's, it's easy to kind of camp out in one or the other to mm-hmm. so be able to see both. And God is, God is in both. Mm-hmm. And he's in the joy. He's in the sadness. And mm-hmm. we can't rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, if we're not doing it ourselves in our own, right. in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, Laura, we Uh, normally end our time at Mission Uplift with just taking time to pray for our listeners Mm -hmm. and uh, take a few moments and maybe share a word of encouragement Mm -hmm. to that person who might be listening, who maybe is in that place. Maybe it's that 30-year-old mom with young children. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the, the single person in seminary, a single parent. And I so appreciate that you touched on those different stages and uh, of life because it does look very different mm-hmm. and if you would take it take some time just to encourage and and pray for for us to like you said be intentional about establishing those those rhythms with the mm-hmm. Lord mm-hmm.
1: yeah I think my encouragement um, is that you would stay curious um, be curious about what God is up to even when you hit even hardship or things that frustrate you, stay curious about it, ask questions. I think we're so quick to judge ourselves and to be hard on ourselves. And curiosity is a really good antidote to that. And so uh, be be curious. And I think also too, with the spiritual practices, and you can read this in any of the literature, the classical literature or um, whatever else is that, spiritual practice leads to freedom. Um, It leads to more and more freedom in Christ. Uh, And so the spiritual practices are to know God more and to grow in him and to be able to serve as God is calling you to. And so I'd encourage you, you know, staying curious, knowing that it's worth it because there's freedom in it. And to have a hopeful expectation and maybe holding it loosely because you don't really know what's going to happen, but a hopeful expectation and that God is at work within you by the power of the Holy Spirit and is moving and is doing a work. And hopefully we can all tell stories to one another. And I think stories are really helpful to stories to one another of how God has been faithful you look throughout scripture, especially the book of acts, they were constantly telling one another stories of God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And so just having those spiritual friendships and those people, and if you don't have one, I mean, just maybe even trying to find one person, it doesn't have to be a big group, you know, and, and to not compare, you know, in regards to who has how many friendships, but just have that one, that one or two to be able to share that with. So Stay, think, stay curious is kind of mine and, and living into that freedom would be my encouragement. But I would love to pray, love to pray. Father, for your goodness and your grace, we are grateful because you as our father only know how to give us good gifts. So we thank you that goodness is who you are, that you love us, that even as you invite us into deeper relationship with you, that you are the one who first entered into our lives through Jesus. You came here, you entered into our world. And so may we be people who respond, uh, that we would see, that we would trust, that we would encourage one another to go into some of those places that we're unsure of what you're going to do or unsure of what's going to happen and and that we would be an encouragement to one another, that we would speak life into the life of others as we receive the life that you are speaking into us. May we be men and women that receive from you, knowing that the best gifts that we can give are the ones that we have received from you. God, for these listeners and for Jen, I pray just a pouring out of your Holy Spirit, moving in and through each one of them. And we thank you that you love us. It's in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share with us about your. Your experience with uplifting rhythms, just personally, and and walking alongside others to show them, to show mm. them, the in the creativity of the di- many different ways and the curiosity, yeah. like yeah. you said, of getting to know to know Jesus better. I will connect your website and uh, so people can see what what you're doing and. Uh, And if you're in the DFW area, sometimes you're having uh, in-person retreats here as well. And so I'll include all that information so people can connect with you. Great. Sounds great. Well, thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Jen. Earlier this year, probably in January, I remember having a conversation with a friend about spiritual direction. I didn't know much about it at the time, but I'd become very interested It was only about a week or so later when I watched a seminary chapel service where Laura was speaking, and I thought to myself, I'd like to chat with her one day. It was just a passing thought, and I didn't think much about it afterwards, but a few weeks went by, and a different friend of mine, she invited me to a digital silent retreat, and I quickly found out that it was led by Laura. And that opened the door for me to attend several of her silent retreats, and also for me to learn and read more about spiritual direction, which has been so timely particularly this year. I enjoyed talking with Laura about uplifting rhythms, and I so appreciate her ministry of spiritual direction. If you're interested in spiritual direction or in attending one of Laura's retreats, please check out her website, laurabmurray.com to find out more information. She has digital silent retreats scheduled already for November and December. And since it's virtual, you can participate no matter where you are in the world. People from different states and even different countries attend. I found it to be so refreshing. I also encourage you to pick up Laura's book, Pray As You Are. You can find all that information on her website. And if you were blessed by anything that Laura shared, please send her a message and a word of encouragement. Let's continue to uplift the uplifters. Be sure to follow Mission Uplift on social media and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoy what you hear each week, please take a few minutes to leave a review. I'm eager to share what's on the horizon here, but I'm keeping it quiet for just a little longer. I'm excited about what's in store. If you're interested in partnering with Mission Uplift, stop by patreon.com forward slash mission uplift and stay tuned for an announcement about a new project in the very near future. Thanks again for stopping by. I'm always grateful. See you next week.